Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. Delighted to have you with us this afternoon, along with our wonderful guest, Carolyn Howard Johnson of howtodoitfrugally.com. Today's program is how to write for publication, and Carolyn is our pro. She's going to share some wisdom with you this afternoon, including the many types of publishing available to writers today, how to reach for the dream of getting a traditional publisher, the astonishing route that gives you more control than ever before, an easy way to self-publish that is absolutely free, how to spot legitimate-looking scams before it's too late, keys to navigating the publishing world like you know your way around, the number one pitfall for new authors who want to be published, a simple misunderstanding that could kill your dreams, some of the things you thought you knew about becoming a published author that you need to let go of before you begin, and two of the most important things to remember as you move toward your dream of getting your book into print. Carolyn Howard Johnson is a multi-award winning novelist, poet, and author of what bookbaby.com calls classic how-to books for writers. She's here with us today from howtodoitfrugally.com. Welcome to you, Carolyn. Thank you. It's really nice to be with you, Marnie. Well, and it's great to be with you, too. I love having you here. Um, Let's go ahead and dive right in. Well, first of all, you have, oh my goodness, you have experience as a publicist, journalist, marketer, retailer. Um, you have done the broad spectrum of writing, publishing, uh, learning all these ropes and everything. What are the types of publishing that are avail- or publishing that are available to authors today? Well, a lot of people use the um, use use the nomenclature incorrectly, and it makes it very very difficult for us all to communicate because after all, you know, words are important, as they say. Um, so the, ba- the basic three ways are um, uh, traditionally, which means that you get an, al- a, a, an allowance in advance and that you get royalties from your publisher and that you, you probably get that publisher through an agent, probably, but not necessarily. And then there are then then there is completely self-published, which means you do everything yourself or hire it on an individual basis. Every aspect of publishing yourself, so it's either completely do it yourself or completely hire it yourself, kind of a situation, or in between, where you pay somebody like. Um, one of the ones that's well known is Ex Libris uh, to do it for you, and that usually runs oh in around four and five thousand dollars, and I don't advise that. So those are the three, <clears throat> and um, and then there unfortunately are all kinds of mixtures. So it's for for new authors, it's pretty much on them to figure out what they want by research and by listening to programs like yours um, to figure it, figure out what path they want to take, what their dream is, what they want from publishing, and then do a lot of reading so that they're not likely to be misled by websites that don't tell the whole truth all the time or that use terms that are incomplete or, mm. or mm-hmm. difficult to understand. So how many books do you personally have in print? Oh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd researched that. I think there are 15, including my poetry chat books. Okay. There are, and, three, uh, there are three major books in the How to Do It Frugally uh, 
series of books for writers. And then in that same series, I've done a couple of little booklets as well. And of those, are any of them traditionally published? None of those are, no. No, those, those I did primarily to do exactly what I wanted to do, which is one of the mm-hmm. beauties of self-publishing for my classes at UCLA. The available books out there when I started teaching at UCLA were, were not what I wanted. They were too, too texty, too, too dry, too difficult to read. They were really just marketing, marketing books for the general public. Um, and so I, I started out doing it myself, and I'm still doing it myself. Okay, um, all right. But I, I, so, I, have been, I have been published every single way. So um, that's helped me understand even more what all of my clients and authors are going through. Okay, because that is what I was getting at. You know, do you have, there, there are definitely some pros and cons. I was just talking to, we have a gal that works for us at our retail store, and uh, she's an author of several books, and I'm an author of several books. And I went about it the opposite way as her. I was first traditionally published, and then I went to being self-published. She started self-publishing. Now she's getting traditionally published. <laughs> but yeah, the, interesting, the interesting, yeah. yeah, the interesting thing is that we both kind of, you know, you just go, yeah. There's definitely pros and cons. You know, there's the pro. And there's nothing perfect in the world, and a lot depends on your right. pocketbook, on the time mm-hmm. that you have to spend, on your personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people like having the complete control of absolute self-publishing, which is one of the things I like about publishing my nonfiction books that way is really doing it and saying and, and doing the, you know, what I want to do the way I want to do it. Um, there's, is a, are bookstores your dream? If bookstores are your dream, then maybe self-publishing, complete self-publishing isn't the best way to go. Um, you're not going to find any one way that does it all. One thing that I think it applies to every way that you publish, though, is that no matter how you publish anymore, you are not going to get out of marketing. There is, okay. There's no cool way to do that. You're going to have to market your book if you want it to be successful. Yeah. I it didn't used that, to be that way. Right. There is one exception. Excuse me. Is your name Stephen King? If your name's yeah. Stephen King, <laughs> you probably aren't going to have to do much marketing on your own. <laughs> so that's kind of that, that, that's kind of where we were going with that. Yeah, as Priscilla and I were talking, uh, the one thing that we both really disliked about being published in a uh, traditional manner was the reality that uh, it takes such a long time compared to self-publishing. It is truly uh-huh. a long, slow process. You don't have it, and you don't have any control over it at all. That that's so true. And e- yeah. and that includes even your one of the aspects of your book that's probably part of your dream is having anything or very little to say about your book cover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's pretty much a decision that is usually made by the, by the traditional publisher. Right, right. So true. Well, it's, having said all this now, there, of course, are some advantages to having a traditional publisher. And what if somebody wants to go for that? What would you recommend to them? Well, a, a great agent she or he will not be the answer to everything. Again, you need to choose one that kind of fits your personality and your goals, and preferably one who has had a lot of success with the kind of book, the genre that you write in. But that is 
that is one of the first steps and that is a really slow process too generally speaking you might get lucky and find the right one first time out but it's it's highly unlikely so that that's that's the first big step and if you get a really good one um it's comparatively easy sailing from there on isn't it mm. and how would you recommend your experience <laughs> i've not i have not actually gone through an agent ever myself so i have 13 published books and i've never used an agent so as far as you uh and actually in the in the Marnie's Friends Archive, you'll find a couple agent interviews where they are talking about this too. But Carolyn, from your experience helping a new author find an agent, is it best to go to uh, a book convention and find one live or to just do your research at home? Well, I think probably both. Um, but definitely, I think there's a little bit of a foot up if you go to a convention or a conference where they have agents. Not all of them do. So that's something to, that if that's if that's your your raison d'être for going to a conference, you want to make sure that that conference offers offers that um, that opportunity, and then double check and see who the agents are that will be there to talk to authors, and then go and do some research on them to see if there's one that you even feel is is right for you of of, of however many they have. And as far as that. as far as pitching an agent long distance, then what would you recommend? Uh, well, I would recommend that they read my my book. It's called the, called the Frugal Editor because it gives examples of query letters and tells people exactly how to write query letters. And I interviewed something like a hundred agents to see mm. what their pet pet peeves were with <laughs> with query letters, and. Uh, printed the best answers of about 20 and enumerated many more and surprisingly enough most of those agents pet peeves are really nothing that the average person would even think would be wrong mm. um they're yeah they all said they don't want a letter with typos and they want you to use their name i mean the things that are pretty much sure. common sense but a lot of them have, you know, you have to remember that these agents can get easily 10 or 20 of these on their desk every day. And there are ways to make your query letters stand out as a professional and as someone that, um, whose, book, whose book is of interest to the agent. Uh, and there are some ways that will just turn them off that, that authors come to think are very clever because they've seen them before or because they've heard about them on a link serve or a writer's group um, so it, it's a good place to start I really recommend it it's called the frugal editor by by me Carolyn Howard Johnson that's awesome you can find that over at how to do it frugally.com we're going to come right back and talk about the astonishing route that gives you more control than ever before plus an easy way to self-publish that is absolutely free we'll be right back 
Are you spending too much time at Twitter or frittering away your day at Facebook? Maybe you think you should get involved in social networking, but just don't know how. Either way, my sane social networking principles can help you, just like they help me to be able to interact with my thousands of followers at several different sites in just 15 minutes a day. Check it out at Marnie.com. Sane social networking success in 15 minutes a day. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and you're joining us at Marnie's Friends for Writing for Publication, Wisdom from a Pro. Our guest today, Carolyn Howard Johnson of HowToDoItFrugally.com, has been sharing with us a little bit about the different ways of getting published. And we're going to talk right now, Carolyn, about the astonishing route that gives you more control than ever before. (laughs) Go ahead and tell us what that is. Well, you knew what that was. You knew that that's self-publishing, right? Yes. That that wasn't a secret, yeah. Um, the thing is, is that over time, I, I started self-publishing, gosh, it's almost 20 years ago now. But over time, the, the, the services offered on the web for authors has improved drastically, led by, and I know that a lot of authors just love to hate Amazon, but led by Amazon and their create space. Um, they have two tracks. My other favorite one before I even start is bookbaby.com. Both have two tracks. One is completely free, completely free, but completely do it yourself. And the other one is services that they offer. Um, so we're going to talk about doing it completely free, okay, for just a minute anyway. Sure. You, it isn't it really isn't that hard in terms of the website itself. What's hard about doing it completely free is that things like indexing and formatting um, might be a really uphill learning experience for most beginning authors. So the beauty of this is, is that you can start with that particular track, and then if you run into trouble, you can use their services. Or you can find someone through, say, a really good... Uh, Yahoo group who does that for a fee and use them and hire your own formatter, which generally will come out to be less expensive for for the author. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the there are so many other perks. As an example, the Create Space, which I understand they will soon be merging actually into the Kindle function function that, that will operate right out of Amazon. But for right now, it still creates space and looks separate from Amazon. But it's never been separate. It's always been part of Amazon. So once you're through with your book and you've uploaded it and you've looked at it and made sure that it looks, it looks good and that the cover looks the way you want it to look, etc., it just goes over to Amazon on its own. Mm-hmm. In many in many instances and many services, that would still be up to the author if she were completely completely um, doing her own work, her you know mm-hmm. completely self publishing, handling everything herself. But if you yeah. work with CreateSpace, that's automatic, and it's not that it's impossible to do on your own, but it's just one more thing you'd rather not have to do. They assign your ISBN. Now, some people don't like those. They think it's nicer if you have your own ISBN. 
that if you're new, do you really want to bother with that? So they assign your ISBN. There's a place for you to design your own cover. Doesn't cost you anything. Some really nice, um, relatively professional-looking cover templates you can use. I mean, it's, it's about as easy now as it's ever going to get. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, just you guys that are listening for your information too. I use Lightning Source as my um, host, but but you have to do everything yourself with Lightning Source. You get your own ISBN, you do your own formatting, you do everything. There are no templates. <laughs> you have to have it ready. And at Marnie.com, there's a book called Ebooks Idea to Amazon in 14 days, that's an Amazon bestseller. And that one includes all of the exact steps on how to do that yourself. And Carolyn, just, just sharing here with the listeners too, the reason I like to do that is because Lightning Source and their paperback and, and uh, traditional publishing venue, they are, the, they are the source for all the bookstores. That is where all the bookstores get their materials. Uh-huh. So once that's you're right. with Lightning Source, it's quite that's a broader where Amazon platform. That's uh-huh. Right, it's, it's a broader platform than Amazon because Amazon ends up getting it from Lightning Source. So you're going, you know, you're skipping that middleman, which gives you a lot of control. And they're fantastic to work with. However, you really need to understand that you have to have it ready. The beauty of a traditional publisher, from my perspective, the real thing that they offer to you is they offer world-class editing services. And that's what I think is hard to match on your own. Uh, yeah, you put your finger. I know down on my list of, of ideas that we had to talk about is the number one mistake that, that authors make. Mm. And, of course, you put your finger on it. It's editing. And yep. although, although traditional publishers will give you a really good editor and a, and a reasonably professional one in almost every instance, um, still you should have it edited before you send it to them because you're going to have a better chance oh. of being published unless they've already Absolutely. accepted it through an agent. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, you really have to do your very best before you send it in, right? You can't right. just send in crappy right. work. It'll never get anywhere. But what they do is they have all these editors that do like they edit for redundancy and order and balance and patterns and citations and there's proofreaders and copy editors and full scale editors and formatting editors and technical editors, and, you know, and things that you didn't even know they were editing for. Um, right. And still in a traditional book, you're going to come out and there's going to be a mistake in it. But I think it's one of the big differences that people really dislike about the self-publishing now is the number of errors in a book that's self-published. And that is, I always tell people, if you're going to spend money, spend money on a good editor. <laughs> and, you know, that that still will not will not eliminate an occasional it won't. oddity mm-hmm. or typo mm-hmm. or... It 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 can eliminate typos completely, but that something else still might still might appear. There is just so much to publishing a book that no that you you just you just you just enumerated with a whole long list. And I know there were probably a dozen you missed. Um, there's just so much. There's just so much right. to editing a book. It is so intricate, and not only editing it but formatting it and structuring it and and designing it. I think that's another big thing that traditional publishers will do is that they actually have book designers and we're not talking just about the cover. We're talking about the interior. And um, it's something that when we read a book, we may not even notice. But if right. we read a 
both traditionally published and non-traditionally published books, um, we 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 come to see immediately <laughs> the, difference, the difference. Right. And there's nothing wrong with the way the non you know the the self publisher does does their books. Many of them do it completely according to the rules. They just don't have that that oomph on the inside. The polish, right? It's, yeah, it's missing yeah. the polish. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, all the components are there, but it's just not put together in the same way as a pub, a traditional publisher would put together. One of the things that I love to do before I come up with a new book jacket or interior is I go spend time at the library in the or even a Barnes and Noble wherever I can get to in the new books area, the new release books area. And I look at what the what is going on right now with the covers. It was interesting a couple of years ago. All of them were white. <laughs> Every last cover was white with the author's full, you know, body profile on their front you know, I mean it's crazy. Uh, it will go through these trends. But you're looking for something that is current, that resonates with you. And same with the design, with the back jacket, with the interior. Just looking for a, a design, a layout that you like. And then, again, like what you mentioned, uh, through, through online groups, or I always use Upwork.com, uh, but uh, you can find people who are willing to do this for you as, an, as a, a, not an employee, but an outsourcer or someone that you hire in just for that right. job. And they're good at it. They do it on the side. Uh, along with many other projects going on, so the price isn't quite as high as if you hire, you know, somebody to do it just solo for you. And they have a lot of experience with it, so they can get it right for you. So that's what well, I wanted to talk. Your next thing was an easy way to self-publish that's absolutely free. And uh, did we talk about that already? Yeah, I think we did. But there was one more thing yeah. I wanted to mention about what what you were talking about about going to a book a bookstore and actually looking at books for the sole purpose of looking at books. Um, if nothing more, it will give you confidence that what you are doing or what you are accepting from your publisher is is A, possible, and B, something that the other big publishers do so that you have more confidence about things that come up. I remember the first time that I ever put on the inside of one of my books the praise or the endorsements or the blurbs or whatever you want to call it mm. on the first two pages of my books i really felt hesitant but all the big publishers if they don't do it on the paperback they do it on subsequent editions of the book book all the time so it feels a little bit like uh tooting your own horn that maybe it isn't professional but in fact it is so then when you're when your traditional publisher suggests it, or when you decide to do it yourself, you feel better about doing it. That that mm. kind of a thing, that confidence level, I think, is really really important. Yeah, yeah, it's huge, and, it, <laughs> and, and it's and it's true in knowing as much as you could possibly know about editing too. When you're working with yeah. your editor, you want to feel confident about listening to him or her, um, accepting, but you also want to feel confident about refusing edits, that maybe maybe your editor isn't, no one can know everything, that there's something that they're telling you that that isn't right, and you know it isn't because, or it's not right for your book, then you feel more confident about saying, no, I don't think so. Especially Um, if you're self-publishing and you're working with an editor, um, so many times what they're going to do just with their background in, in grammar and, and usage and stuff, they're going to edit out 
you. Uh, they can. Yeah. Depending on a good one depending won't, on your book, yes. a good one. That's exactly right. A good one won't. But if you don't, if you've never worked with this editor before, and you know he or she is editing out all of the phraseology, all of the usage that you think, wow, but that's how I talk. That's how I write. That's how my other books are. Then you really want to step back and say, okay, do I want to make this all grammatically perfect, like text? book or do I want to have it have some of me in it and you know and some of those are judgment calls that if you're self-publishing you get to make yeah and that there is a list in the frugal editor frugal editor about of questions that you should ask an editor and it's really important that you ask the before you hire an editor that you ask the editor and know something about the editor uh, the kind of the kind of thing that you were just talking about is also easily done by an editor who's used to editing nonfiction books. So mm-hmm. if if you don't know that that's that's where their expertise is and that's what they usually do, and they get a hold of your genre, say sci-fi, they may want to do horrible things to your dialogue. <laughs> right. So you need to be able to spot that right off, and preferably before you even hire them. Right, right. <laughs> and you need to have that confidence. So, um, you yeah. know, know as, much as you, know as much as you can and then ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. On the other hand, another one of the biggest mistakes authors make is thinking that they know all that stuff mm-hmm. because they got A's sure. in English, because they have self-published before and gotten away with certain things because they have complete control they and and not listening to the experts when the experts come along and say no we really shouldn't be doing this mm-hmm. so it's it's a, it's a hard thing to balance isn't it it is oh and there's just like we were talking earlier there's so much to it um so it just it really does pay for you to let the let the experts tell you you know and then run if you're going to go directly against what your editor or whatever is telling you and do it a different way run it by a couple other editors don't just do that you don't want to you don't want to be so smart that you you know knock your book out of the running for an award or for a lot of good readers um, because people will they will give up on your book if it's poorly edited they'll they won't you know unless it's just so incredibly riveting uh, they're just not gonna put up with it so you really want to work on that there's another thing you want to keep your eyes out for as you're going down this path of getting published and that's for some scams uh, Carolyn what do what do we need to be watching for um, good question uh, one of the biggest scams that, well, you can almost always identify a scam when people are asking for money for things where they shouldn't ask money for again you've got to be to have a little familiarity have been to some conferences have talked to people in writers groups etc to know what those things are but in general an agent makes their money by the number of books they sell once your are, are sold by the publisher once your book is published they shouldn't be asking for money up front that's that's a real big one um, that kind of thing um if there's a connection on an a an agent who turns you over to an editor and they're associated somehow might be getting a kickback that's not such a good idea it's not that it necessarily means that it's that it won't work in your favor but chances are it may not um you know the saying in politics follow the money 
Yeah. <laughs> follow the money. So one that, of the things that's a real that's a really good indicator. Yeah, one of the things that I think is now current, and this is this was not true ten years ago, but now it is true. If they're requiring you to buy hundreds of books in advance, that is a scam at this point because there mm-hmm. is no reason for that. There's books on demand. Uh, the my my uh, book publisher can can print one book at a time. Get it get it out to Amazon's customers within 24 hours. I mean, it's astounding now what can be done, and so. You don't need to be doing and that this includes whole traditional publishers who used to say, who used to poo-poo print on demand, but are finding it very convenient. <laughs> it's <laughs> very, very economical technology. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually astounding. It's really astounding, and that kind of takes me back to another advantage of self-publishing, especially in the e-version, uh, but even in the paperback version or hardcover, you can make editorial changes after after you're published. Like when you're published editionally, uh, an editorial change at that point is excruciating. But um, when you are self-published, you can make a change to your book without too much trauma at all. It's just, it's just a small cost for, I believe it's like a first, um, a first draft copy or a Yeah, you know, and, and that, and that brings copy. us to another, if not, if not out and out scam, at least misunderstanding. A lot of people go with a publisher who gives them an advance, and who, um, who publishes their book and doesn't charge them anything up front. Um, and they don't ask how the book will be published. And there is every chance that some of these combination publishers, whatever you, partnership publishers, or whatever you want to call them, they, 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 they give you the impression that they are traditional publishers. But in fact, they use digital printing. And that can be problematic with getting your book into bookstores and a lot of the other things that you expect from a traditional publisher. So um, if, that's, if that's the only kind of, kind of thing that they do in terms, the, you know, their design might be great, their book covers might be great. The other question to ask is, what is your marketing budget? Mm-hmm. A traditionally book published book is not, trust me, in capital letters, not a true traditionally public traditional publisher if they don't market your book. That doesn't mean they do it all for you. But they must have some kind of a budget to publish to to, to market your book or they aren't a true traditional publisher. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest telltale signs. Oh, perfect. Well, this is Marnie Sledberg visiting today with Carolyn Howard Johnson of howtodoitfrugally.com. We're going to come right back and talk about keys to navigating the publishing world like you know what you're doing, and also the simple misunderstanding that could kill your dreams. We'll be right back. Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit Womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie. Our guest today, Carolyn Howard Johnson of howtodoitfrugally.com, is here with us sharing 
Writing for Publication, Wisdom from a Pro. Carolyn's a great one to talk to. She's written a whole series of books on how to get your book published, The Frugal Book Promoter, The Frugal Editor. Uh, another, there's more here in this series, too. You want to check that out over at her site, howtodoitfrugally.com. Carolyn, uh, you have a couple keys for us to navigating the publishing world like you already know your way around. You know, I, when, uh, when I was younger, I did a, a book report, basically a book column for the newspaper every week, and it was on parenting. And one of my favorite books was How to Raise, How to Raise Kids in Your Spare Time. But it was by, <laughs> by a pediatrician. And his main thing was, you know, for new parents, he's like, all you have to do is just pretend like this first kid is your second one and you'll be just fine. You know, just pretend like you know the ropes. And so that basically, <laughs> it does really help, though. It's did, intimidating did we, to have it really be the first need, time. Did we really need a whole book <laughs> for that. I know. <laughs> but, okay, so help us look like a pro before we know anything. Um, don't, don't trust. Read, 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 read. Find mm. credible resources. Um, it used to be read, 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 and you'd be safe, right? Because mm-hmm. books were vetted before they were published, and but now we have the web, so read, read, read doesn't doesn't do it so so well anymore, and that that's kind of scary. So check out check out your resources. Read a little bit about about the author. What what's their what's their background? Um, what, have, what have they done? How long have they been in the industry? Same with your editors. I mean, every, everything all the way along the line. You've you got to do the reading. You've got to do the research. The more you know, you'll never, you'll know, no, don't, don't wait to publish until you know everything because you're never going to get there. But, you know, you're, you're, you're going to need to be sure that, that where you're getting the information is right. You mentioned one of the things that we were going to talk about, and that that brings me to that particular thing, is what can kill your dream. And one of the mm. things that can kill your dream is listening to someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. So uh, they they give you ideas that are absolutely unethical in terms of marketing mm. your book, as an example. And mm. then and then you get caught doing it. Now, sometimes controversy is good, but but not the kind of controversy that reflects back on the writer and the publishing process itself. You always want to look like a pro where that's concerned. And so you don't, as an example, uh, try to get on the New York Times bestseller list by buying a thousand of your own books from the bookstores around New York City that reports to the New York Times for their bestseller list. That was actually done by an author. And he got a lot of ink. He got a lot of attention, but it wasn't the kind of attention you want to get. And his book Mm. was off the shelves in pretty fast. Well, But someone had told him to do that. Right. And I think, I think the other thing is uh, after being in the restaurant business and the retail business and, and the book business, what I, what I know is that everybody knows how to do it. But I always start with the question, um, have you done it? Because it's amazing how many people just heard about somebody that they think did yeah. this or that or the other. Or they have a third cousin that did something that this could surely work for everybody. And the reality is unless it is a tried and trusted plan or unless you're willing to stake your reputation on it 
it's probably not the way to go. <laughs> yeah, and and it helps to have that retail background. I have I have a retail background too. We we had a chain of our own shops, my husband and I, and um, uh, it helps if you know something about about retailing. No no amount of information that you read up on or talk about or learn from somebody else is ever going to go to waste. Someone who knows about mm-hmm. retailing can more easily convince certain retailers to stock their book, uh, to feature a workshop, to feature a presentation, to use it in their own marketing. They, um, they, have, a, they have a leg up. You, bookstores and book selling is retailing. Um, and and well, I, like- I don't know too many others other than you and I who, um, who have that experience. <laughs> well, and honestly, I have to say that I haven't really used my experience in retailing to market my books because I just haven't had time to go and one-on-one or, you know, go with retailers and do it that way. And in fact, I want to spend just a couple minutes talking about, um, you know, the concept of book signings and things like that. I think it's a pretty, um, you know, it's a wonderful plan. Book signings are great. They get a lot of publicity for you. And there is a day where you have some book sales, but it's kind of like buying a bunch of books in New York to get on the bestseller list. The reality is unless it's going to be a process that pays in the long run, it it is a lot of work for very little return. What you're looking for is is you're looking for your book to be good enough to meet a a niche need, something that's missing that people are looking for. Once you hit those two things, you, you have written it well and you've put it out there in a way that's, you know, readable and it, it doesn't turn people off to look at your cover and things like that. And then you have the information in the book is something that people really want to read. Now it's worth your time to to get the ball rolling uh, in some ways. But it, to to put all your, you know, eggs in the basket of a couple book signings or whatever, it's just not going to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, and you know that particular approach is easier for for people who have an idea for a nonfiction book to examine than it is for a person who who is writing fiction uh, or, or poetry. And so, I want I want to use this opportunity to stress that that um, that I've I've never seen anything that can be applied to nonfiction that can't also be applied to fiction. It's just that you have to come at it from a different angle. And I'll give you an example using using my poetry. Um, I had written a lot of poetry and never even intended to do anything with it. And I ran across a wonderful woman in um, in Australia who wanted, wanted to do some publishing of poetry. And we came up with the idea of uh, chapbooks that had different niches that met different needs, exactly, I think, what you were talking about, Marnie. And it's called the Celebration Series of Chapbooks. And these are, po- these are poems by each of us. Uh, she writes half, I write half. One's Christmas poetry. One is um, a poetry basically for Women's Day or, or feminist to appeal to women. Uh, another one is to appeal to women for Mother's Day, Father's Day, um, Valentine's Day, so that whole series. Who would think that poetry could actually be filling a need or specifically for a specific group? In this case, gift givers or maybe just interest groups, but but 
it can be done. And I, right. I, I could be wrong, but I don't think it was ever done before, although it was done right after we did it. Somebody else thought it was a really good idea, too. <laughs> Amazing how that goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. generally speaking, if you take a marketing idea that you'll actually even hear people say, oh, well, you can't market your book if you write, you know, if you write literary fiction wrong, but you are going to have to maybe reread your book with your marketing hat on and think in terms of marketing it. Where are audiences, my obvious audiences, other than uh, other than the science fiction reader or the romance reader or or whatever it is that you think of first when you think of your book? Right. And I think the other thing is, too, instead of, instead of uh, signing up to do a book signing, do something creative with that. Like yours might have been a reading um, or a, a day-themed party uh, for that kind of, a, you know, for a Mother's Day celebration or Valentine's celebration or something like that. And if you're doing a how-to book, obviously, like my Kitchen Shortcuts book always worked well to do demonstrations with. That always drew a bigger audience than just a book signing. Mm-hmm. You, you want to kind of get, get your, again, get your marketer's hat on Say, what would make me drop everything I wanted to do on this Saturday afternoon? <laughs> Go to the bookstore, you know, because I have a lot of things on my list. <laughs> so we're going to take a little break and come right back and talk about some of the things you thought you knew about becoming a published author that you may need to rethink. And also two of the most important things to remember as you move forward. We'll be right back. Christian Women's Events. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian women's events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, If you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. You're joining Marnie Swedberg and my wonderful guest today, Carolyn Howard Johnson, for Writing for Publication Wisdom from a Pro. Carolyn, there's some things, some maybe preconceived ideas that authors and wannabe authors have in their heads that are going to kill them if they go forward <laughs> toward trying to get published with these ideas in their heads. What are a couple of those that we can avoid? Oh, all there are, but can we, we go going. back to your book signings one more time? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. We're talking about that before I, I break. I yeah. see that was one of your favorites and one of my favorites, too. I actually tell people don't just do book signings. In fact, eventually I made it a rule not to do just book signings. If I, if I have a bookstore that can't, that can't cooperate with me a little bit and come up with something a little more original, I usually say no because – they can really be dull, and they can really be a waste of time. You and me, but, I hate them. Including, including just a plain book signing, can be made far more, far, far, far more successful if you um, market it. And that means get re- local radio stations involved, right. uh, get right. local newspapers involved, get them to be recommending and uh, getting it in the calendars in your local, in your local throw, the local throwaway papers, etc. So. 
that's one of the big advantages of doing any kind of a, an appearance is the opportunities it gives you to market. And don't expect, don't expect the bookstore to do it for you. Some of them will. That's another thing I ask. Do you have a newsletter? If they say no, I think twice about doing the appearance. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and it is. And when people ask, like at our bookstore, when people want to come do a book signing with us, I just always say, you know, you can if you would want to, but I'm just going to tell you that you have to really market this thing to death in order, A, to get people to come out, but also in order to get the full value out of it. And you don't just market it to the people who can come locally. You market it on your Facebook page and everywhere else so that all of your friends in and out of town have the opportunity to see your book again. You can have, you know, you post uh, Twitter, Twitter quotes from people who are at the signing. I mean, you know, you have to really take advantage of, if you're going to invest the time uh, to sit there, you know, and you're going to bring people in, you know, really take advantage of that. Yeah, expect, expectations can get us into a lot of trouble. Um, again, put a retail hat on. If you've ever, if you've ever worked part-time in college in a, in a retail store, um, you are now selling your book when you're at, you're, you're at a book signing. If someone doesn't come to your table, you better get up off of your little fanny and wander around the bookstore and talk to people. Right. Ask right. them what they're looking for, somehow related to your book. Have something. Have a giveaway that you could hand out to them to take home. It, you know, there, there, there just are certain techniques. My frugal book promoter will give you a whole chapter on that of making mm, a book right. a book signing successful, and also not judging the book signing completely on the number of books you sell at that specific book signing, because it right. isn't all about sales. It's also about building a career, and I love the way you think about it. <laughs> I mean, you know, and the other thing is the other born, thing is born of experience. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't judge your don't judge all of your future book signings based on your one in your hometown because uh, I we did one recently <laughs> yeah. and I, a gal a gal Speaking was like this expectations. one <laughs> exactly right this one great I'm going to do this I'm going to do this in a in a few other cities and I said I just want you to before you do that now it may be a good idea but before you do that I want you to count in your head how many people came today that you did not know before you were arrived. Yeah. And, and she called it, and reason. she's like, nobody. Everybody nobody. came that I knew. And I said, right, okay, so in your own town, that's what's going to happen, you know. Yeah, but, but it's not going to happen when you're out of town, and that's why you need to coordinate <laughs> right. with maybe a, maybe a local radio show and, and, right. and local, local publicity. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the bookstore probably isn't going to do that. But you can. And furthermore, you can use the fact that you're going to be at the bookstore to sell your idea to a local radio station or the feature editor at the local newspaper. So well, it's actually, circular. You're news. At that moment, you are yeah. news. You're, you're the you're, new person in town. You have a new book. You're going to be doing a pre program there. All of a sudden, you're news. Yeah. You're current news. And that's what newspapers yeah, exactly. and, and radios look for. Exactly. Yeah. So that's one of the things, uh, I think that, you know, you've mentioned it several times. One of the things that most wannabe authors have in mind is that I'm going to write this book, get it published, and make a million dollars. And um, <laughs> some people do. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. The other thing you shouldn't pay for is reviews. Everybody mm -hmm. looks forward to their reviews. That's, that's part of their dream. That's part of, the, mm -hmm. part of what, what they want. And it's only natural that they do, but their expectations for that are are generally off. We do not want 
it may come as a big surprise. We do not want all five star reviews on Amazon because they start well, even, to fishy. Even like in the um, yeah, in the restaurant business, uh, like they will drop if you have all five stars. They'll even if it's legit, they'll drop as soon as you get a poor review. It goes right to the top. It's it's really unfair, I think, because you know some people just go around you know giving bad reviews. But it is the reality that all five stars is viewed as bad. Yes, yes, it, it is. And that's one reason. If you're going to write reviews for a friend or you, are, or you have asked a friend to do a review for you, it is really a good idea to, to tell them that you love it if they, if they love your book, if they say nice stuff about your book, that they actually suggest that they find something that they think you could have done better or something that they wished had been in it, or um, or some small criticism, even if it's that they found a typo. It's okay. Then they give you maybe a four-star, or maybe they still give you a five-star. But that gives the review credibility, and there have actually been, actually been studies on that that show that that's true. So that, that bad review might not be such a bad review. Usually people... If, <laughs> Usually people can tell anyway. If, if a reviewer comes in and says, well, it's only worth one star basically, and I, I put it down after the first chapter, they're admitting they didn't even read the, the book all the way through. Readers can, readers can generally see through that too. Yeah, that, well, that's especially, not, you that's know, not you, the worst you thing in the world. If, if they didn't read the book, then how can they, you know, how do they know? Right. And you see these ones where, you know, somebody has, you know, 150 five-star reviews, and then what, somebody's got a one. You think, okay, <laughs> something should be there. But, you know, yeah. that is, what again. What kind of an agenda does that guy have? <laughs> this was so funny because this actually happened to me over the weekend. So my first book was a cookbook, and I was saying at the table, uh, one of, the, one of the, me, uh, the menu items that didn't come out of the oven looking the way the hostess expected it to, and she said, oh, she said, this was supposed to be so good. It, it said it got a blue ribbon, and I should just call that author. And I said, that was one of the hardest things for me publishing a cookbook is that, you know, I knew that sometimes no matter how hard a person tried, it wouldn't come out the way that it came out for me, you know. And when, <laughs> yeah. you're, when you're writing a book of any kind, you're really laying yourself out there. You're really saying, I give you permission to take this however you take it and to blame me if you don't like it in the end. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's part of you're the not skin going to of an author. Everyone. You, are not go- <laughs> you are not going to please everyone. <laughs> yeah, you have to be a little thick skin there. Okay, yeah. so what are the two most important things to remember as you move towards your dream of getting your book into print? Well, we already talked about expectations, don't we? So examine mm. your expectations and get a grip. <laughs> do, do, do you remember? Do you remember that artist? I I think she's still around. She did little girls, cute little girls, and they were on they were on greeting cards. And one of them was 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 the little girl stamping and looking really mad with her hands on her hips, and she stamps her little foot. She says, "Get a grip." And that that's that's what we need to do to ourselves. You just need you need to do that, mm-hmm. and you've got to get rid of some of the ideas. It's not that it hurts to have the dream. But you don't want to make those expectations for yourself so high that that it ruins the fun and the joy of writing and the joy of producing your own book. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super important. 
And one of the yeah. other expectations is that is that even after research and even after knowing what you're going to be doing, that somehow that's that's going to work really, really well for you and there's going to be no sidetracking. And, and the <laughs> other one is I could, I, I'm going to do this myself and I'm going to do it fast. And sure, you're going to do it faster than a traditional publisher, but you're not going to do it fast. And if you do, take a step back and think again and go back and maybe re-edit and reevaluate and read another book on publishing. Need to read another book on getting reviews. You get in too big yeah. a hurry, you're going to miss something. A big one you'll miss is getting the best reviews possible because I know it's almost time to leave, Bonnie, so here's, here's a real okay. specific. If you hurry your book into print, you will almost certainly completely obliterate the chances you have of being reviewed in any of the really top review journals like Publishers Weekly or Library Journal. And if you want your book in bookstores and libraries, they need to be they need to be reviewed in places like that. It takes 16 weeks lead time from the time you have a book or a galley or an arc to give to one of those publishers to read and the time your book is released. The time it comes off the press is not your release date. It won't be your release date if you're published by Simon & Schuster and it shouldn't be your release date no matter who else publishes your book. 16 weeks, 12 to 16 weeks, but usually 16 weeks. That gives you time to get those reviews. It gives you time to, you have to give yourself the time to get those reviews and then get those, those arcs, those, those review copies to that publisher 16 weeks in advance. Do you go through the process of that in any of your books? Yes, I have. My newest book is How to Get Great Book Reviews Frugally and Ethically. <laughs> I love it. Okay. <laughs> so that's the, that's the third in the How to Do It Frugally series of nice. In fact, that kind of leads us in here. I wanted, if people go over to your website, which you guys, you'll love the name of this website, howtodoitfrugally.com. If people go over there, Carolyn, what are they going to find? They're going to find, they're going to find everything about my books. They're going to find everything about my consultations. They're going to, but mostly they're going to find a whole section of writer's resources, including what we just talked about of how to get reviews, etc. The tab is right at the top of the home page. It says writer's resources. And there are all kinds of resources that one would never expect uh, to find on a website, including um, l many reviews of, um, of media release distributors, things that you don't expect to find or be told cool. about. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Well, this hour has flown by before I let you go here. One of it the has. things that you love to do, you love to travel. You've been to 89 countries. Yes. And uh, so tell me 
of your books or of your writing, um, what was your favorite trip and why as it relates to something you wrote and published? As it relates to, well, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that, that our experiences add up to our writing. Uh, almost all my poetry is at least inspired in some way by my travels, although some you would mm. never know it. Um, well, not, I'd say maybe 80% of it is. Um, mm. But my favorite trip was to the Black Sea on a very small ship. It has to be a small ship to go through the Dardanelles there by Turkey into the into the Black Sea where we visited places like Yalta and Ukraine and uh, places like that that we wouldn't probably get a chance to visit these days. It was mm. wonderful. Mm. And was what made it one. what made it so special and memorable? Um seeing places that I didn't think I really even wanted to go to, mm. you know, that weren't yeah. really on the top of my list and being surprised. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a history buff, but not so much Second World War <laughs> and that kind of history. Yalta was, wow. Yalta was fantastic. Um, wow. That kind of thing. It was mm. just, it, I'll give you an example. Um, Sometimes you, sometimes you see something when you travel, and it is, so, it is so much like what you saw in the pictures. The pictures did it, sub, the, the images that you've seen of that particular city or monument or whatever have been so, so good that it looks just like, just like what you expected. And other places where people mm-hmm. have raved and told you about them, and you've seen pictures, but when you get there, it yeah. is just exalting. Yeah. One of those yeah. things was the statue of Nike at the Louvre, oh. of all things. Huh. And I came upon that unexpectedly. They had just moved it, I think it's to our pres- its present position now. The light was coming through a skylight that was shined on it. It was so much huger because I'd seen the little, the stupid little, uh, little souvenirs <laughs> you get to take home, right? It right. was huge, huge, huge. And the light from that skylight came down mm. on it and it was sparkling. The thing was sparkling. Mm. And it, I just stood dead in my, tr- my tracks and gasped. Mm. That mm. kind of thing is the kind of thing that's, oh, that, so that makes beautiful traveling you- worthwhile. You have can't get from Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thank you, you guys, for being here. Can't have a radio show without listeners. Always so much fun to share this hour with you every Wednesday afternoon live at Blog Talk Radio, as well as around the web at the many listener stations and uh, syndicate stations. Thank you for that. To those of you who are listening to the archive, we appreciate you too. Hope you get a lot out of this. And be sure to go visit Carolyn over at How to Do It frugally.com and me over at marty.com and we'll see you next time.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.